0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company,
1: Golden, Colorado. Oh, Buffalo's got a spirit talking proud, talking proud. Listen up and hear it talking proud, talking proud. Know the good life that we share with nice people who care. It's time to tell them Alright, everyone, welcome. Episode 287, Talking Buffalo Podcast, presented today by our friends over at 26 Shirts. Big thank you as always everybody out there for listening, downloading, supporting the show. Really means a lot to me. If you have not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do that right now. Uh, give me a follow on Twitter, at Tweets. In just a few minutes, I'm going to be joined by a recurring guest, a good buddy of mine, Joe Miller. Joe, of course, host of the Overreaction Sports Podcast, and I'm going to get his take on Sunday's Buffalo Bills finale, his perspective on the big picture, the future, all that stuff. Much more with Joe, one of my favorites in just a minute. So one thing about me is that I've never been really good at containing my excitement or conversely, on the other side of the fence, I've never been good at hiding my disappointment when it comes to things. And I'm not gonna lie, man, I'm I'm very disappointed today and there's no way around it. And I wanna say this too, because this is very important. I am very proud, very excited, very happy, whatever way you want to say it, when it comes to the 2020 Buffalo Bills. It was a magical ride, man. It really was. And at the risk of being a little bit cheesy here, I I think the Bills season wasn't just a, a huge success on the field. But I I think it helped a lot of people cope off the field. I I think it gave a lot of fans many weeks to look forward to. And that matters. You know, that matters. These are tough times. It's been a horrible year. And the Buffalo Bills gave fans a lot to look forward to. A lot of hope. You know, this team went 13-3. and You know, a lucky Hail Mary away from being 14-2 and this year. They won the AFC East. I think those were the expectations before the season started. Win the division, host a playoff game, win a home playoff game. They did that. In fact, they won a second home playoff game. They went all the way to the AFC Championship. So anybody out there who doesn't say that this season was unequivocally a success, frankly, I think you're a moron. I really do. There's no other way to put it. But, and again, I'm being honest here, all that being said, I am sitting here today extremely disappointed in the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, I'll say most of the specific, specific details for uh, my chat with Joe, which I'm going to have in just a second here. But I will say this now. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are a great team. They're the best team in the NFL. It was never going to not be a difficult matchup. It was always going to be an uphill climb. But what bothers me the most is I'm not sure if, the best version of the Buffalo Bills would have beaten the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday, especially in Arrowhead. However, I do know this much. I know that we did not get the best version of the Buffalo Bills. Not even close. And that's what bothers me. And that's what I'm most disappointed in right now. We didn't hit them with our best shot. And if you listen to this podcast, you know how much I've advocated Sean McDermott and what I think of him. In my opinion, he was the NFL Coach of the Year this, uh, this season. Not Kevin Stefanski, who won the PFWA, probably will win the AP as well. I think Sean McDermott was the NFL Coach of the Year. But you know, just like the defense as a whole in Kansas City, I mean, Sean picked the worst week to have his worst performance of the season. And there's no beating around the bush here, folks, by many things. But a big one, obviously. Electing to kick field goals not just once, but twice inside the eight yard line. I feel like McDermott showed a, a lack of faith in Josh Allen in the offense. And I think he showed too much trust in his defense and that's not going to work, especially when you're playing the Kansas city chiefs, it's just not going to work. And maybe I think personally it might've had a little bit of a impact on the mindset of Josh Allen as well. It was a lack of confidence. And I think Sean knows that I think he was uh he at least hinted at it in the postgame. But anyway, on that subject, you know, I'm I'm just, I said that Sean had too much faith, I think, in the defense by kicking those field goals. I'm baffled by how embarrassingly bad the defense played. It was just a, a horrific performance by everyone on that unit, really, including all the guys that are supposed to be the best players. And again, I'm going to get into that more specifically in just a few minutes with Joe, but. Quick programming, though, by the way. So now the Bill season's over on the field, but it's never really over. NFL teams, literally, it's year-round discussion. Uh, pretty soon we'll start to look at the offseason, who they might keep, who they're going to cut, uh, free agency, the draft, all that fun stuff. Like I said, it never ends. But now that the season is over for Buffalo on the field, we'll also start to focus on more segments in episodes on other things, Buffalo, and beyond that as well, including getting into more Buffalo Sabres coverage on this show. Uh, the Sabres beat Washington Sunday afternoon. They're 2-3-1 and one so far in the season. They've been all right. So anyway, we'll spend more time in future episodes talking about them. So we'll ramp up the Sabres. We'll ramp up other stuff pretty soon. But today, obviously, it's all about the Buffalo Bills. So enough of me here at the top. All that said, here it is. Here's my conversation with Overreaction Sports podcast host, my good buddy, Joe Miller. Joe Miller, the third. Uh, <laughs> uh, welcome to the uh, Pat Moran therapy session episode. Yes. What's going on, man? How are you doing?
0: Uh, I'm doing, I, I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet. i uh, I'm mourning. I'm mourning the, I'm mourning the future that, uh, that I'm never going to get to see if that makes any sense I, I was, I had myself convinced. Let's just leave it at that. I had myself convinced.
1: Let me ask you this. So we're taping this Monday night. This is being dropped overnight. First thing, Tuesday morning, Mm -hmm. you did a show Sunday after the game, right? Yes. How long after the, the, the final clock went off before when the clock hit zero, how long before you were taping something?
0: So normally for me, my routine is uh, I, I I like to so I, I send out the tweet right. I send out the uh, you know, hey Bills Mafia, how are you feeling? Like, give me your reactions. Let me know how you feel about the football game, win or lose. And there's been a lot of win. Like, there's been a whole lot of win. Fifteen of them. Uh, and, uh, no, and then I, I generally allow the game to kind of process. I don't rewatch, but I let it process a little, cause I don't want like legitimate raw emotion, right? So win or lose specifically lose. I don't want like super duper raw emotion. Uh, but last night, uh, McKenna, my daughter wanted to go to the airport. Uh, We we missed the opportunity after the Denver game when they won the AFC East, uh, which was phenomenal. And it's funny because I even said I was like I was like, you know, it's a bummer we didn't go. I should have I should have taken her because the only chance we now have because of the home games, the only chance we have now of going to the airport is if they go to the AFC championship game and sure enough, they went. So I recorded right away. So I got the, uh, I got the, I got the the tweet out right away. And then I started recording. I got my notes kind of wrapped up and recorded very, very quickly, which is not normal for me. Normally I wait about, I let it digest for about an hour, hour and a half before I recorded. And, and last it, at post game this time, I was recording in about 20 minutes, 25 minutes.
1: Wow. I don't think I could have done it, man. I really don't. I mean, it's been, I've been sitting on this now. We're taping this again, Monday night. So it's been a little less than 24 hours. I still at times are struggling with some of my thoughts. And by the way, for everyone listening, it's the overreaction sports podcast, Hmm. part of Buffalo fanatics. Go check it out. I'll put a link there in the episode. Please. I am sure that you had some emotions then, and you still have some now again, 24 hours does not cure all woes. Let's just, uh, we'll put it that way, but. Before we dive into the game and, and talk about some specifics, and obviously that's not going to be fun, I want to make sure that we both get this off. And that's this man. Let's start with a positive here, and, and then again, and we'll circle back, elaborate a little more. And this week sucks, obviously, you know, with how it ended. But yeah, I want to make sure that we don't completely. And I might tell just how about you, and I want everybody out there. We don't lose focus here. That mm. this is a football team, man, that went thirteen and three. Should have been 14-2, and two were not for Hail Mary? Mm-hmm. They won their division, which is something that realistically, I think, was the expectation going into the year. Um, and then they won not only one, but two playoff games. They were one good performance away from the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And that's on the field stuff, Joe. Off the field, you know, bonds were made. A lot of fans... And and I said, it's in my intro at the risk of sounding cheesy here. I think this season really helped a lot of people cope, man. If not get through what were some really tough times and those tough times aren't over around the country and the world, but it really helped, man. And again, we'll talk about the game in a minute here. Yeah. And that's not going to be fun, but let's say, I want you to elaborate a little bit on what the season has meant to you. I mean, you just talked about taking your daughter to the airport. So obviously it meant a lot to you, you know, both as a bills fan mm-hmm. and also as a podcaster, who talks about the Buffalo Bills multiple times per week. Like, what did this season and this journey mean to you personally?
0: This year was totally different, um, and it was totally different on many levels and for for great deals of levels outside of just the win and outside of the COVID and outside of everything else because, like, there was markers for me uh, being an older Bills fan. You know, the Bills were great when I was a kid and all the time that we've gone through and everything else, but, like, the podcast. So, like, I have found a level of success in something that I never expected to be doing in this podcast. I started my podcast last year in 2019, I think in October got picked up by fanatics and found some great, I don't know, some great connection to Bill's Mafia that was completely unexpected. Uh, and it wasn't necessarily something that I was, you know, counted on. Like, you don't do, so, you know, Pat, you don't do something like this. You're like, man, I'm going to do this again. I'm like, I'm going to kill it. And everybody's going to love me. Like, sure, you just kind of do it. You're like, you know what? I got I got feelings and I got thoughts and I want to talk and not happy with the information that I'm getting. So, you know, I'm going to talk about the whatever I'm going to talk about and I'm going to do a podcast. So that's what I did. And man, it just the connection that I found with Bill's Mafia through through this season, the connection that I found with the team, the connection that I found with John Fina, like through this whole thing, like all the unexpected connections. And then you like you pile that on top of the season. You pile that on top of what the Bills did. You pile that on top of 15 amazing wins, right? And four losses. Fifteen um fifteen wins, Pat. Fifteen. Like (laughs) think about that for a second. Fifteen freaking wins. I mean, and then all of that with, with with the sauce on top that is my 14-year-old daughter i've got I'm a, I'm a girl dad i got two little girls and uh she has just she's she's been in love with Josh Allen for a couple of years like she she fell like, like she swears she's going to marry him uh but uh <laughs> she is at this point she is just all in on the buffalo bills she we she, she, she played fantasy football this year, begged me to let her play fantasy football last year. I didn't let her. Uh, and then I actually got her into, we created a, a couple leagues, and then she, like, connected with a friend's league. Won both of her leagues. So she's the fantasy football champion of both of her leagues. Uh, she, like, lives, eats, breathes, and sleeps football. Like, she goes places and tells other people about like football and like rules and things like that last night we're at the airport and like there's a couple guys behind us men grown men talking about the game and like you know the guy was like oh travis kelsey this and and that other guy the wide receiver uh what was his name and she turns to her she goes <laughs> and, she, and, she, and she says "Terry kill and, and i'm like that's my girl <laughs> like so like just to just to live vicariously through her uh in this season and in this time and just kind of with everything that that happened this year, like watching her smile and watching her get excited and watching her feel, you know, defeat and feel loss, you know, for when the Hail Mary happened. Uh, Yesterday, she yelled at me. Uh, Edwards Allaire, I think it was, scored on that touchdown, made made it 21-9. to And I said, second quarter, well, this game might be over. That's all I said. I said, this game might be over based on what I was watching. And she got angry at me and like started calling me out. What kind of fan do you think you are? This game is far from over. And, like she's like laying into me. And I'm like, <laughs> I didn't say it was over. I said it might be over. Like, could you relax for a minute? Like, so just just to see her and like her jubilation and her excitement to go to the the airport last night to greet the team. Uh, and then it's, it's funny because, and I'll, I'll wrap up the emotion of this season with this judge Mathis from fanatics, just put out a tweet. He did one of those movie things where you put the bills logo over stuff. And I'm sure a lot of you will see it by the time this airs. And it's a scene from fast and the furious where I don't, I'm not a fast and furious guy, but Vin Diesel's driving along and the dude that died like is driving along. And like, they're having that conversation about, you know, being best buds and being bros and we're in this together. And and one of them is bills fans. And the other one is the 2020 bills team. And then they go their separate ways. And I'm yeah. telling you, dude, like I never saw that movie. So when the car split, when they go two, gotten down two different roads, like it was all the feels for me. And sure. it immediately takes me to my daughter. So I sent it to her and I didn't get to see her watch it. So I didn't get to catch her reaction. But I know for her, like she's going to shed a tear. Like we witnessed something special and I'm not ready for it to be over. I'm not ready for, I'm not ready for the connection to the fans to be over. I'm not ready for the connection to the team to be over. I'm not ready for, I'm not ready for any of this to be over. Like, please don't go. Right. I mean, yeah.
1: dude, I, I, I'm, I'll tell you. And, and that's a great story. It does. I, I truly believe it. And, and again, I know this might sound, if you're not a bills fan or if you just don't give a shit about sports and you're one of those people and I, and I get it. I know there are some people like that. They're like, well, COVID and all people are dying all over the world. And you care about a football game, right? You care about a football team. Yes. Yes, yes, the, the Because I'm, I'm going to tell you, Joe. Listen, I've had so many media people on the show. So when COVID started last spring, I've interviewed dozens of people who work for the news in different varieties, not just sports, just news media too. Mm-hmm. And the conversation was always the same when it got to COVID, and that was, you know, shit sucks, you know. Mm-hmm. And when this season started with football, it, I, you could just see it. The Bills being good obviously means a lot. It just gave people. Something to look forward to every week. It took your mind off 400,000 people dying from a pandemic and growing right now. It took your mind temporarily and it's not more important, but it took your mind off millions of Americans losing their jobs and all this terrible stuff going on in the world. This season meant a lot, man. And I noticed it. And again, I've been a, on Twitter for 10 years and I've been here in Florida. I've been gone for four Buffalo Bill seasons. I've been away from Buffalo. This, I was jealous this year. I was legitimately jealous of people like you Mm -hmm. who get to be in Western New York and be around the vibe, the atmosphere as this team, you know, started to ascend to becoming one of the best in the NFL, but just the victory Monday thing or Sunday or Tuesday, whatever day the bills would play, Mm -hmm. you know, the the day before that shit was real, man. So this was more to me than just football, especially, like I said, given everything that's going on in this world right now, I just feel like. This season really meant a lot to a lot of people. A lot of people were happy, and if nothing else, it was a the distraction I think a lot of people needed. And again, we're not out of the woods yet by any means, but it was just special for me in that way. And you also brought up something about younger fans. You and I are r- roughly the same age. We're old enough that we remember very well the golden era of Buffalo Bills football, you know, the Super Bowl year. So yeah, congrats to the younger fans out there who got to see the Bills become legitimate Super Bowl contenders for the first time in their adult lives or maybe ever, you know, again, for us older folks, we've, we've been on this road before, (laughs) but you know what, Joe? (laughs) I mean, I'm being honest here. I wasn't sure that I was ever going to feel like this again. I wasn't sure I was ever going to see these days again. So it was a lot of fun for me. I'm sure it's a lot of fun for you. And I'm sure it takes you down memory lane as well. You know? Yeah. There's a, there's a point in all of this where you're like, it's
0: just never going to happen. They're never going to figure it out. Like you just, the PTSD from all of it. Right. And and I think that was one of the best, the best markers of this season was being able to shake off that PTSD, shake off that, you know, the, the, the feeling that, Oh, here we go again. Oh, that's so billsy. That's so, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, yes. old bills, like all that stuff, like literally, literally all that stuff is gone and all that stuff Definitely. is gone because of this football team and what they accomplished this year. And by and large, you know, and he's taking some heat today and I think he's taking wrong heat, Um, not to to say that he's not to blame, but we got out coached in every phase of that football game. We got outplayed in every phase of that football game. You know, Josh Allen is a big part of that reason that this isn't the same old bills. Josh Allen is a very, very, very big reason that this is not the same old bills. I mean, it's, it's, it's the distraction. It it was, it was needed. It was necessary. It was great. So
1: it was, it's a new culture. It's definitely a different culture than what we've become accustomed to in the last say 20 years. Yeah, so Billsy, how are they going to lose? Mm-hmm. What, where, what creative way are they going to find to lose? Who's going to blow it? Who's going to make the mistake? What crazy play is going to happen? You used to sit there and feel that it was the opposite, and obviously, again, and it didn't work out in the end. But every time the Bills touched the football this season, I felt like they were going to score. Every time that defense went on the field, I felt like they were going to make a stop. wasn't always the case, but more often than not, it was. Yeah. So yeah, the the culture to me, it's like when you flip the. Field position in football, you know, even if you got a punt, you flip the field. I feel like culture wise, that's what the Bills have done over the last couple of years, but especially now, that cemented this year for sure. Well, the,
0: the greatest one is, and it, it was that last year and this year. The greatest, the greatest piece to what you're talking about, the greatest marker, the greatest, whatever you want to call it. The greatest thing about it is you go through quarterbacks from pick a year. Uh, I don't even care, two thousand and three after Bledsoe, all the way up to Josh Allen third and whatever and especially if it was like if it was like Trent Edwards or somebody like that if it's third and 7 uh, there's no just punt like just just punt the ball now like that's that was the feeling for 15 almost 20 years like if we're behind the sticks third and long it's over just punt it doesn't matter Josh Allen third and 22 I'm sitting on the couch going He's got this. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the difference. That is literally the overwhelming difference between the old bills and what we've lived through for the last 20 years and where this team was this year and where they're headed next year. Third and give me third and long. I'll take third and long. Why? Because I got the guy. I got the guy.
1: All right, let's take a quick break. Want to let you know that today's show is being supported by our friends at 26 Shirts. So you guys already know the deal with 26 Shirts. They roll out a new Buffalo-themed-designed shirt every two weeks, and that shirt is tied into a specific charitable cause, and they sell that shirt for 26 bucks. Here's the really cool part about what they do, if you didn't already know. For every single shirt sold, a donation is made to that affiliated cause each and every time each and every shirt. Since opening up their doors for business in 2013, 26 Shirts has now managed to raise and donate over one million dollars to these causes. It's just unbelievable. Del Reed, that crew, they do such an amazing job. They enrich the lives of so many deserving people and causes. It's awesome to see. And by the way, these are really outstanding looking design shirts. They're comfy they're sporty to wear. They look great on you. I have a bunch of them myself. Head on over to 26shirts.com and see what cause needs you this week. All right. I'm back with Joe Miller. So again, we'll circle back to uh, a couple of big picture things uh, shortly, but we got to talk about the game now. So you hit on this and you're hundred percent right. This was to me, an organizational beatdown from top to mm-hmm. bottom. All right. The Bills were outcoached. Like you said, they were outschemed. They were outphysicled. They were outplayed, outmanned, out everything. All right. Mm-hmm. And I want to start with coaching here because I've talked about this several times over the last few weeks on my podcast. I think Sean McDermott to me was NFL coach of the year. I think he deserves it more than Kevin Stefanski does. But this was his worst job of the season. And I'm look. I'm going to be, I have to be honest here. Okay. I'm not, (laughs) it's tough, Joe. And you know, this, when you go into the territory of throwing darts at at negative darts at things that are going on, you're going to piss some people off, but got to be honest, because again, I think Sean's the coach of the year, but this was his worst job of the season for me, for sure. Maybe not just the season, maybe his career because of what was on the line, settling for field goals, not once, but twice inside the eight yard line against the chiefs of all teams. That was just. Even in even in real time, watching it, it was like unfathomable to me. It, it just was. It showed too much trust, in my opinion, in a defense that clearly had no answers for Kansas City, and it showed a lack of faith in Josh Allen. If you know, if nothing else, Josh Allen. If you took one takeaway from this year, which was an MVP caliber season, that dude was as deadly as anybody mm-hmm. in the in the red zone. In the mm-hmm. red zone, you know, he got the ball in the end zone as good as anyone in the NFL. And twice inside the 10-yard line, they settled for field goals against the Chiefs. I want you to talk about this a little bit. How surprised were you at Sean's caution and you know con- conservatism at what seemed to be, to me, the most inopportune time? And that's being on the road against a- an elite offense in the AFC Championship game. How much did that take you back by surprise?
0: Where where do you start? I mean, where do you start? I mean, this is the game that you dread, and this is the game that you fear. And what I mean by that is, like, all of the statistics going into this game favored, by and large, for the most part, the Bills. Whether it, it favored the Bills and Josh Allen from a season-long standpoint or even in the last five games. So so I, I, I put out a stat from uh, from my preview show uh, where in the last five games, you know Josh Allen and the Bills have averaged 35 points per game, Mahomes 24 points per game. Uh, for the last five games, Josh Allen had averaged uh, his completion percentage was 69%, uh, which is right on par for where he was for the season. Mahomes was at, I think, uh, uh, 61%, which was off by five points touchdowns. Uh, Josh Allen had thrown 20 to like one interception or something like that. And Mahomes was like 10 and five. Uh, you talk about red zone efficiency, like the Buffalo Bills are one of the best. You said it, one of the best in the league. And Josh Allen is deadly in the red zone. The, the Kansas City Chiefs in the last half of the season have been horrible in the red zone, like not great settling for field goals. The turnover where they placed like Pat Mahomes threw five interceptions, but he should have thrown a ton more uh, that just what they were as a team. And what the Bills were as a team, you know, our offense should be able to go against that defense, which isn't great, and get their average hit 35. It should be, I don't want to say a no-brainer, but it should be like, no, no, no. When you look at statistics, this is what it should be. And then when you take our top 10 defense, which they were top 10 going against their offense, if they're averaging 24 points a game against lesser defenses, you expect our defense to do its job for whatever reason. Game plan scheme, fe- coaching, coaching fear, players just not executing. They got their butts whipped up and down the field in every facet of the football game. This is so I, I I used to say last year, stats only matter until they don't. And this was one of those football games. Stats only matter until they don't. And they didn't in this football game because they got their tails kicked like even In the kicking game. Well, how do you lose in the kicking game? How do you lose? Well, you lose in the kicking game by continually kicking the ball to the one yard line when you've got a kicker that can kick it out into the stands and the guys continually bringing the ball back to the 35. They did it every time they kicked it to the one and all but one time, I think, did Hardman not return the ball to the 35, at least the 35 yard line, like every phase of the game, like Josh Allen. What is he great at blitzes? What did the Raven? You want to talk about respect? What did the Ravens not do? They did the one thing they always do, which is which is blitz everybody, which speaks volumes of respect for Josh Allen and their fear of him so much so that they didn't do it. The, the Chiefs did. I'm watching a play, and, I watch, I, and I've stayed away from all the highlights today. I've stayed away from all the shows. I've stayed away from everything. But I, I was flipping through, and there was one on, or maybe it was on Twitter. But literally, it was the one that caught my eye last night. Josh Allen's at the line. You know they're they're lined up. Tyrone Matthew, the honey badger, is standing to his right, uncovered, uh, off the tackle. So he's off Daryl Williams, and Daryl Williams has a man over him. Josh Allen's looking at him and doesn't change the protection. The running back doesn't. He doesn't bring a back in. Nobody slides over. He snaps the ball. Tyrone Matthew's right in his face immediately. I'm like, what is going on in this football game? Like that would that to me? I'm sitting there watching it going, that guy's coming, and sure enough, snaps the ball and he's in his face in a half a second. It's like. And we saw it over and over again. They got their butts kicked in the trenches on offense. And $50 million defensive line. Do you remember hearing Ed Oliver's name once? Do you remember hearing Mario Addison's name once? Do you remember hearing Vernon Butler's name once? AJ Epinesa? Do you remember hearing any of these guys' names once? $50 million. They got beat on the offensive line. I haven't seen that many free rushers coming at Josh. It was. I think we hit Pat Mahomes once. They hit Josh all night long. And when he, and when he got hit... He, he was sticky. Like he couldn't get guys off of him. It was crazy. Nobody could get open. They couldn't cover anybody. Tremaine Edmonds is getting like thrown all over the field with eye candy. There was one play in particular that stuck out of my mind. Sorry. I'm monologuing. I'm on a soapbox. I apologize.
1: No, go ahead. That's why I got one, you out for
0: one play in particular, you know, Tremaine Edmonds is his responsibility. His assignment is Travis Kelsey. So Travis Kelsey just turns around in front of him. He's about six yards in front of him. Mahomes jets out to his right. They're down inside of our zone. I don't know, remember exactly what the yard yard marker was, but uh, Mahomes, but you know, moves out to his right, kind of scrambles out a little bit, and like he's looking around. And what does Edmonds do? Edmonds runs up to intercept Mahomes to like connect, like to take an angle on Mahomes. Finds himself side by side with Travis Kelsey, six yards away from him. What does Mahomes do? Throws the ball to Travis Kelsey. It's like you run through your assignment. Y- yes, you got to go to Mahomes, but you run through your assignment. You don't just run to the quarterback. It was just, he was manipulating everybody. It was almost like that. Yeah, I was talking to somebody else today, uh, Mac Avenda, who actually owns Ambit Design, which was one of my sponsors this year for my show. And he was like, it was almost like two days this week, all the coordinators, so Leslie Frazier and Brian Dable, were like preparing for job interviews. Like literally, that's what it felt like when you watch this football game. That they almost mailed it in. It's like, yeah, we're gonna do kind of some stuff, and we'll see what happens because I got this stuff over here I got to take care of. It was just, I just don't know how. I mean, what, what, what's the one thing we know? Josh Allen eats man coverage, eats it. The first four games of the season, he was eating man coverages alive. Then they switched to zone. He also consequently got hurt at the same time. Kind of befuddled him a little bit till he figured it out. Then he could beat both man and zone. They played man all night long. Josh Allen, like nobody could get open, right? So nobody can get open. Jo- Josh Allen can't find anybody. Like it's just, the, it, it was wide open all day long. Like and Josh Allen didn't. He ran a, what was he had? Uh, I I can't remember what it was. Eight eight carries for seventy seven yards or something crazy or, or seven carries for eighty eight yards. It was nuts what his numbers were. He could have ran for one hundred seventy five yards last night.
1: Yeah, he had eighty eight yards.
0: Yeah, yeah, and he did, and he didn't, but he could have. He could have ran like he could have just taken it every single like. Oh, it's wide open again. Oh, it's wide open again. Oh, it's wide open again. Now, I don't want Josh Allen running like that. But if you're going to talk to me about, like, well, they don't have a ground game, you got to be able to do something different. If they're covering your guys or if they're, you know, whatever they're doing, if they're, if they're befuddling your, your pass, you know, game, then you got to do something different. Well, for God's sakes, do something different. Like, and they didn't the whole night, played soft zone all night long, and they kept running the same freaking plays all night long. And it's just like, It was tough to watch, man. So I'm a, but at the same time, I even said this on my show at the very same time, don't allow that football game to rob you of the joy of the accomplishments that we saw this season. The Buffalo Bills won 15 games. That game sucked last night, but don't allow that game to rob you of the joy of what we got to see this season. So there is the right, not the paradox, but there's the the teeter that we're all tottering on, right? It's like, I really want to be happy. I don't want this to be over, but man, that game sucked.
1: I agree a hundred percent in terms of I'm not going to, and I don't think many people at all. And if and if you are, then I guess you're stupid. And they're not, they're not gonna it's not gonna rob you of your joy in its totality of the season. But I mean again, it's 24 hours later, right before we started taping the show, I actually took a ride to Walmart to do a little bit of grocery shopping, <laughs> and I keep replaying a lot of shit in my mind, and what bothers me the most, what I have the hardest time getting over still at this point, is that the Bills, if they would have went to Kansas City and, and they lose, I was okay with that, mm-hmm. but I feel like hit them with your best shot, and if it's not good enough, then it's not good enough. Sure. I don't feel like the Bills hit the Kansas City Chiefs with their best shot. That bothers me. To me, the formula was always going to be for the Buffalo Bills to win this game and score a lot of points, and mm-hmm. the defense was going to get beat because Kansas City's got too many weapons, and... The hope is, all right, you're going to get beat. You're going to give up yards. You're going to give up some points, but get one turnover, maybe two turnovers if you can get really lucky, or like a key third down stop. That's the formula. That's how you're going to beat them. The right. only game the Kansas City Chiefs have lost, I think now in 26 games, Patrick Mahomes is 25-1 in his last 26 games as a starting quarterback. And their one loss was to the Raiders earlier this year, and they lost 40-32. to That was the kind of game that I envisioned the Bills winning. All right, again, McDermott to me, and again, I love Sean McDermott. He's the NFL coach of the year in my book, okay? Mm -hmm. But he coaches game like the Bills were playing the Ravens or the Cleveland Browns. That's my biggest problem because Joe, this defense, do you know, and I'm sure you realize this now on your podcast too. I do the same thing on this podcast. Quarterback, it's all the glory. Quarterback, Mm -hmm. it's all the blame. The -hmm. Bills have been very good this year. So obviously there's been a lot more glory than blame. But I feel like, I know I have, I spent so much time talking about Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs and the offense and what they do or don't do that this defense this year was pretty goddamn shaky. All yeah. right. Now I know they played well for the most part in the second half of the season for That's sure. True. And they absolutely dominated the Baltimore Ravens. Much credit for that. But this is a defense, dude. So including the playoffs, they lost four times, twice to the Chiefs, to Tennessee and to Arizona. Mm-hmm. The defense played like shit in all four of those losses. Now The Arizona game, 32 points, you know, seven came out of Hail Mary or six, whatever, at the end of the game. Who cares? They still gave up 25 points. Kyler Murray had a big game with his legs and his arm that day. Um, They didn't play good against the Rams and they gave up 32 points. They could have lost that game. Um, The offense was explosive against Seattle, but they gave up 34 points to Seattle. You know, it's not like the defense played great. This defense has been very sketchy uh, throughout the season and Sunday it stunk. And before I talk about like I said, I got some thoughts on Josh Allen and the offense, but I want to talk about the defense right now because they stunk, right? Uh, The D-line, you brought it up, highly paid. They were invisible and they got manhandled. The linebackers looked helpless in coverage. The DBs were no better either. I mean, I I can't think, Joe, I can't think of a single player on this entire defense. And I've spent a lot of time thinking about it. Not one. I could definitively say, Joe, this dude had a good game. Not Mm -hmm. one. So mm-hmm. how frustrating is it for you to watch a defense? You know, again, up and down early in the year, this level late, dominated Baltimore, did enough against Indian. He had a good game, but the Bills made a couple stops when they had to. But this was just awful. You know what? I'm not even going to say awful, Joe. This was embarrassing. The defense to me, it's yeah. they should be embarrassed today how badly they played. And again, we're not taking away from the season as a whole, but we are talking about this football game because this was a Super Bowl opportunity on the line. They got dominated and they were embarrassed. It should be anyway. For,
0: yeah, for the defense, there's one play that was the story of the, the entire football game. So, there was, so if you're going to take this game, you're going to encapsulate it in a play. So, so, Joe, take me back and tell me what, you know, what was the, this game like for the defense? Well, I'm going to show you one play. And this one play will perfectly describe 60 minutes of NFL football for the Buffalo Bills defense in the AFC championship game against Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. It was a run play and uh terry kill was out wide they showed it in the replay and when i say it, and i'm surprised this isn't getting talked about more today but it's a run play tyree kill uh makes a move off the line on a scripted called run play so tyree kill knew that it was a run play he jukes t- uh to Tradavius white one of the best cornerbacks in the nfl the best cornerback on our team and and i'm not i'm not disparaging trey i love trey trey is legit one of my favorite players on this football team but on a run play terry kill jukes Tredavious White so bad that he does a face plant. And then as he's running by him, he begins to make fun of him while he's laying on the ground. That literally is the story of this football game in one play for the Buffalo Bills defense. That was it. Embarrassing. You used to use the word embarrassing. It was legit. It was absolutely embarrassing.
1: I want to talk about three players in particular, which you've hit on. And I want want to elaborate on these guys a little bit because they stood out, they stood out to me. And obviously I'm talking about that um in the wrong way so this is going to be like the this is uh the uh how do you say it this is the tough pills to swallow here portion of this podcast all right because Mm -hmm. i want to start with trey white you know he is an elite cornerback elite one of the best in the nfl okay tyreek hill is an elite wide receiver this was one of the best against one of the best to me it was a mismatch and you kind of talked about it laughing on his way down dude tyreek hill kind of toyed with Trey White. I'm going to be honest with you. All game. Trey White is a great corner. I love Trey White. Okay. But he wasn't very good this postseason. I'm not even just talking about Sunday. He wasn't that good this postseason. I mean, ugh. I know the all 22 experts are going to bash me when I say oh, yeah. stuff that they don't <laughs> oh, agree with, and was I'm alright with that. He was the best graded defensive player on our team. Yeah, well, not by got, my eyes. He didn't <laughs> He didn't make any real impact plays this postseason. He, he just didn't. It was This wasn't his Le- best season. Le- Le- Levi was Wallace still,
0: almost had a better football game than Trey Davis White
1: I think Levi Wallace did have a better football game than Trey White. I'm being That's, honest with that, you, man. That
0: individual that, effort that he made on Pringle was unbelievable. He, he, he makes a stab at Pringle, loses his him on his way down to the ground takes a guess and jets out right to his whatever I think it was to his left and like Pringle runs into him and he makes the tackle before the yard marker or before the sticks. It's like that individual effort was unbelievable in my opinion. No, you're 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 on it as far as that goes. Like Trude- Tredavious White did not. Yeah, it hasn't it it, it hasn't been great.
1: No, he, he, again, he's one of the best corners in the NFL. I love him. I'm happy he got his money. He deserves it. I mm. don't want him going anywhere. Me either. But I'm going to call it out because. He got toyed with Tyreek Hill just had his way with him. And I wasn't just Trey White trying to stop Hill. I know he, he lined him up in the slots. Kansas City did very creatively and he created matchups with Ron Johnson, which can't happen, but it did. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I was not, you know, well, well, why, is,
0: why is, why is, why is Taron Johnson even covering Tyreek Hill? Even if he's in the slot, why is Taron Johnson covering him? There's more to it. I mean, to me, sure. We know that the Buffalo Bills have trouble and have had trouble making tackles. Like they're not a great tackling football team. Jerry Hughes is the king of the body check tackler. Like I'm just going to crash into the guy and hope he falls down. Jerry, they never fall down. Stop doing it. In that football game, the amount of shoulder like people trying to tackle people by the shoulder—you can't tackle Travis Kelsey by the shoulder pads. Like Trey did it, Milano did it, Edmonds tried to do it. All of them were trying to tackle these guys by their shoulder pads. Meanwhile, how how were the Kansas City Chiefs that Spagnola defense? How are they tackling Josh Allen, getting him right at his hips and his legs every yeah. single time, gumming up his hips and his legs? What are the Bills doing, trying to tackle shoulder pads? It's like what what haven't we? Uh, this is the NFL. Like even I know not to tackle somebody by the shoulders. Like, come on.
1: Well, the second guy is, and you hit on him is Tremaine Edmonds. And you look, I'm sorry, man. This guy was just all right to me this year. He's not a pro bowl linebacker in my book. I'm, I'm just going to call it the way I see it. I don't think he's as close to it. And again, I thought he looked awful on Sunday. I don't think he's a bad player. I think Mm -hmm. he's pretty good. And at times he's flat out good, but, you know, if, if Joe, if the standard in the bar is being set at being a Pro Bowl linebacker, which to me, if you're voted to the Pro Bowl originally, now I'm not talking about injury replacements on in a typical year where it seems like half the NFL ends up either voted to the Pro Bowl or playing in the game. But if the standard is being voted to the Pro Bowl, which is what Tremaine Edmonds was this year, to me, that means you should be one of the top eight to 10 best linebackers in the entire NFL. If that's the standard, then I think Tremaine Edmonds is very overrated. It's a popularity
0: contest, he, isn't it? I he, mean,
1: he's not one of the best eight to ten linebackers in the NFL, and no film guru or all twenty two expert is going to tell me otherwise. This guy, and look again, what a daunting task it's got to be trying right. to trying to defend the Kansas City Chiefs with all that speed and maybe the best receiving tight end in the history of the NFL, and a guy a quarterback who might be on his way to being the best quarterback in wait, NFL history. Wait,
0: wait, wait. So I love the the lauding that you're giving the, the Chiefs. It's great. But the problem is, is they scored in the, the last five games of the season against not great teams. They averaged 25 points per game. And right. they won all those games by less than one possession. So don't tell me that, like, it's that hard to stop the Chiefs because teams did it all year. Now, they won. They found ways to win those games. They won by one possession or less. Less than, they, they didn't win any of them by double digits. They didn't win a single game. By double digits this season, but don't tell me that like somehow they're like ridiculously hard to stop because the Dolphins stopped like kept them, held them in check. A bunch of teams held them in check. Like they can't be that tough if they, if they well, weren't tough for other teams. I, and I don't have their scores. I can look them up and see what their scores were as far as how many points they scored through like game by game. But I just I'm just I I think I'm over that narrative that like somehow it's like oh my god it's it's the amazing like Chiefs you can't stop
1: those guys <laughs> and it's like I'm not I'm not
0: so sure because a whole bunch of teams stopped them.
1: Well, I'll agree to, I'll agree to an extent. I'll, I'll say two things about that. Number one is I, I think the, the coaching, the the game plan was not right. The Bills were determined to not get beat originally deep. You know, so they're giving up too much stuff and, and they were making it too easy. I think the Bills game plan and their defensive execution made it too easy. And I'll say this about the Chiefs too. They remind me a little bit of, LeBron in the NBA. Okay. I'm not saying they weren't trying to win during the regular season, but they weren't hundred percent interested. They weren't all in. It, it felt like to me, I watched a lot of Kansas city Chiefs football this year. And I'm, I'm, again, I got to be careful because I'm not trying to say that they didn't care about the regular season. They did. That's a fun but area. It, I, I think it's just, about. it's just different. The best teams, the best players, not just in football and in, in just all of sports. And just take it to another level when the stage gets bigger. Do you know what I'm saying? Maybe I think I think to some extent that was it with the Chiefs. But I I get what you're saying, and I agree. By the way, they won nine games this year by one score. In fact, coming into this game, I think like their last eight wins were all by one score, including the week before. Mm-hmm. By the way, the Cleveland points. Browns had a legitimate chance to knock Kansas City out last week. Legit chance. They had a great chance to, and they didn't get it done, but. Agreed. yeah this team was I don't think this team's unbeatable, but I do think they're the best team in the NFL and I don't think there's any question about that And as far as I'm concerned, when they're playing right, when they're engaged whenever whatever it may be, but when that light goes on and there shouldn't be an on off switch for teams and sports, <laughs> but for some players and some teams, it just seems to be man that light goes on they're 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 really good that defense who looks really shitty against a lot of teams. Looks great against the Buffalo Bills. Not once, twice this year now. You know what I'm saying? It's just, yeah, uh, for real. it's frustrating. But the third guy, and you also hit on him. And this is where I'd get the most shit from people who don't agree with me. And that is that Oliver. I, you know, again, I'm sure I'm going to piss off the film room experts. They're going to tell me I don't measure him by stats and plays. Aaron Quinn better you know, not they're be so listening. Smart. Yeah, Eric Turner better not be listening. <laughs> Nate Gary better not be listening. Um, my man, Bruce Nolan, better not be listening. I'm sure they're all going to disagree. And I'm sure they're going to prove it to me. And show me film that I'm wrong. But you know what? Here's the bottom line, bro. This guy's a top 10 pick, all right? And he's been in the league for two years. Very average to me, okay? if you told me Ed Oliver was a fifth round pick? I believe it. Based on what I'm seeing, he's been okay. You don't draft guys in the top 10 to be invisible in games like this. Ed Oliver was invisible. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the whole defense for the most part was. But again, he's a top 10 pick. That's what he was um you know and again he wasn't the only one frankly you talked about the entire defensive line i thought was trash on sunday yeah it was not. Um, you know i'm being brutally honest here but again he's a top 10 guy who to me is playing like a what's that term a jag just another guy yeah
0: just uh, another you answer, know right.
1: and i don't care again i don't care what all 22 film tells me about this or about that he needs to be an impact player and I couldn't tell you know is he even better than Jordan Phillips you know I heard about last year all about Jordan Phillips got overpaid went Mm -hmm. to Arizona which Mm -hmm. could be it's pretty true but you know what hey is he better than Jordan Phillips Uh, because I'm not seeing a lot I'm tell you what Jordan Phillips you make fun of him all you want and it was other players who helped him and he got lucky dude had nine and a half sacks last year or in 2019 all right Yep. I don't know what that Oliver had but it wasn't close to nine and a half sacks it ain't just about (laughs) sacks it's about tackles it's just it's about taking a blocker blockers stuff like that. I just I'm not seeing an awful lot from Ed Oliver. This was the big game. This was the biggest game on the biggest stage. I want my star defensive tackle to make a play, and he didn't. He didn't even come close to. As far as unless I'm wrong, and I don't think I am, he didn't do shit. I
0: uh I can't speak to Ed Oliver's play. Like I didn't I didn't focus on him. It was just more of a driving to work this morning. Going wait a minute, I don't remember hearing like it was something I didn't talk about on my show after the game. Like I didn't hear Ed Oliver's name called. I didn't hear Jerry Hughes' name really called either. Like, I didn't hear anybody's name called. Like, I'll say this about the defensive line. Um, so I, I am not buying it. I know that there was a lot of conversation, and there's always, and there have been over the last several years, about Starla Tulale and his meaningfulness to this defense and the amount of money that they're paying him. Starla Tulale is a 50% rotational guy, just like all these defensive players. If you're telling me, first of all, my first my first argument is, if you're telling me that one guy who plays half the snaps Causes our defensive line to look that much different than he is the greatest defensive player that's ever played football in the history of football. Like it can't be only Star Latulale. However, I would transition that thought and pile it on top of this part that I would say as well, which is one of the gr- the greatest grossest miscalculations that we have seen by Brandon Bean is this idea that, you know what, I don't need Jordan Phillips and I don't need Shaq Lawson. I'm not going to pay those guys. I'm going to pay Mario Addison, Vernon Butler, and Quentin Jefferson. Those are the guys I'm going to pay, and you know what, we're going to be better this year. That defensive line vanished. Vanished. They were far more disruptive. They were far more of a problem for teams. They were far more engaged. There was way more dirt, grit, grime, energy, personality just punch you in the face with Lawson and and Phillips on that football team, on that defensive line, than they were all this season. There was a couple – and the funny thing is, is like there was an aspect to Jerry Hughes kind of coming out of his shell a little bit and becoming the mature veteran leader that this football team kind of needed on defense. Like I kind of liked the personality I saw coming out of Jerry Hughes leading up to the playoffs and even this football game primarily – but man, it was it was a it was gross overestimation on what they thought they could do with the three guys that they brought in and then throwing Epinesa in there. I don't believe for one second that it's all Star. Oh no, Joe, it's because Star didn't play. I don't I don't believe it's plug and play. Star comes back this year and then all of a sudden, magically, they're a top three defense again because star's back. Like if that's the case, pay that dude three hundred million dollars, right? I mean Yeah. Dude, you um, see,
1: he, he plays, Star is a good player. He plays 40, 42% in the snaps or something like that. It's small. You bring, you bring up a good point that's going to be a very worthy debate. And, and that it. is the defensive line because they did spend, they spent a lot of money and they revamped that line and they got rid of two guys who, sure, the critics are going to say, or, you know, the people are going to defend Buffalo's every move that they went out and got overpaid somewhere else. Sure, they did. But you Here's know what? The they Go produced, on. Joe, they produced for Buffalo. And these guys who they brought in, Addison was. Okay, I guess yeah, Jefferson okay. didn't do much. Butler, frankly, Butler didn't do much at all this year. He got a little better near the end of the year, but yeah, man, I don't man, even, I don't don't even know way.
0: what number I don't even know what number Vernon Butler wears. <laughs> what does that tell <laughs> you? What does that tell you? Like, I don't know what number he wears. Is it ninety? Is he ninety? Ninety-four. Is... He's ninety-four. Ninety-four. So I don't. <laughs> Not that know
1: bad, but yeah. So I, so,
0: <laughs> so so Quentin Jefferson is ninety. So right. So yeah. and and here's the, I mean, what was he gonna say? I mean, as far as the defensive line goes um and these guys and just kind of the way that they were they were oh where was i going with that i had a really good point but i can't remember i lost it because i got stuck on the whole i can't i don't even know what number he wears thing but it's they're just there's got to be there's got to be more to this there's got to be more to it they they just whether they're schemed wrong or they're playing wrong i i don't, I don't know i don't think it's all ed oliver's fault i guess that's where i would land oh, on ed oliver so to me it's not all his fault it's, it's uh,
1: definitely not it's definitely not his fault joe but he's part you're either part of the problem or part of the solution, right?
0: I remember. I, mean, I remember what it was. You ready? What is it? Go. This ahead. This is what I would say. So uh, it was on one of the pregame shows. We had John Fina on one of the pregame shows, and John Fina's son plays offensive tackle. Your son, who just uh, just signed and, and committed to go to college play football, uh, college ball, John Fina's son is an offensive guard, I think for U- UCLA. I think he's yeah. using the swing between guard and tackle. Uh, John has coached him up, so John coached him for a lot of years, and now he's headed up. Uh, uh, Bruno is headed off to college, and we were, t- and he said to. To Bruno, he said, could you imagine, could you imagine all the game film and, and game study that you have to do? And when you're going into one of these games, not only do you have to study one guy, but you're playing against a football team that's rotating all of their guys, nine of them to about 40 to 50 percent of their snaps. So you don't have to study just one guy. You've got to study six. And Bruno, to his point, was like, oh, my gosh, I couldn't even imagine. Well, that's what's going on. And you think that the advantage that that would give you, aside from being rested, would be Unbelievable. And I'm going to tell you, and I asked John, and I'm going to ask John this again in the off-tackle show that when we, find, when we finish that up for the season, why is it not effective? Like, what is going on? If it's, you would think that, like, that's a checkmate. Like, you have to prepare for all of our guys, which is, like, asking way too much for anybody to do, and they're going to be rested the whole entire football game. Checkmate, gotcha. You can't do it. Like, we're going to get four-man pressure all game long. And John doesn't have an answer. I, I've asked him. I'm like, what is going on? And John's like, I don't know. I don't. I don't yeah. know why. I don't know what the answer is. And maybe it's, it's an effort issue. I don't know. Is this a scheme issue? Is it, is it a skill or will it's it, in sales? They always talk about skill versus will. I mean, I've either got a skill problem, meaning the person like doesn't know how to sell or I've got a will problem. The person doesn't want to work. Is it, it's a skill issue or a will issue. Somebody figure it out. It's either a skill issue or a will issue. Somebody, yeah. somebody can find the answer. I don't know who it is. It's not me. I'm not a coach, but yeah.
1: <laughs> well, again, when it comes to that Oliver, when I say you're part of the problem, or you're part of the solution. I'm not saying he's part of the problem, but you know, based on what I'm seeing, I don't know that he's part of the solution either, to be honest with you. And again, it's not just him and it's not his fault. There's a lot more players on this defense that you could point the finger at for this effort on Sunday. Sure. But you know what, Joe? at the same token, again, this is a top 10 pick, and I'm not going to hold that Oliver to the same standard that I hold guys like Justin Zimmer and Harrison Phillips. And even number 94, by the way, Joe, Vernon Butler. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not going to hold that out. I hold that Oliver to a higher standard. And I don't know, two years in, I'm not, I'm not seeing it now. Again, we just talked about that Oliver and we talked about Tremaine Edmonds. They're still very young. That does matter. I'm very, next year, I'm really hoping and expecting to see leaps and bounds from both guys. And again, you don't tell me Tremaine Edmonds is already a Pro Bowl linebacker. Two years, two time,
0: two time Pro Bowl Linebacker. Ugh. Two years in a row. Uh, you know, you we, we started this the defensive segment with uh there was nobody that you could actually say had a good game. I I I'm thinking through just plays right now. And if even if you removed that gigantic hit, Jordan Poyer busted his ass in that football game. He, he was running hard. hard. He was I'm not saying that he was had all of his assignments right, I'm not saying that he didn't miss tackles. The dude played. He probably played harder than anybody else on that defense. He yeah. played very hard. Like he wanted that football game.
1: You know, it's funny. I again, I can't think of a a single defensive impact will play that entire game other than Poyer smash, and it was Edwards clear. I think, who uh, yep,
0: yep caught the ball him. and he just
1: smashed him. He held him to a and that held him to a field goal. But if that's your best defensive play of the whole game, then you're not beating the Kansas City Chiefs. That's that's. what it comes down to. And look, we could talk about this defense and we could talk about the offense till we're blue in the face. Here's the bottom line. And you kind of hinted at this a little bit earlier. Kansas city chiefs, five of six in the red zone, Buffalo bills, two of five in the red zone. And one of those two touchdowns was a two and a half yard drive after the muff punt and fumble recovery by Taiwan Jones. Right. So they basically scored once in the red zone. Uh, You know, for everything again, we talk about at the end of the day, To me, that's probably the game right there. If the Bills could have found a way to hold Kansas City to maybe one or two more field goals, and if the Bills could have converted on, say, those two touchdowns that they ended up kicking field goals on, you know what? You might be looking at a different game. If nothing else, that's a one-score game going into the last five minutes. So at the end of the day, the Bills were were so good in the red zone this year, that's what let them down. They, They stunk in the red zone, and the defense just could not but it was a,
0: it. It a, a the coach scared. And what's funny is Alan has said it a couple times this year. Alan has said it a couple times based on I think Alan knows when he's in a rhythm. I think he knows I, he uh, Kim Jones said it even to, uh, in the presser today. She, you know, she said, Josh, you're the most self-aware player that I've ever interviewed. And she's like, and you're so young, you know, you're 24 years old and you're so self-aware. And, and she was trying to find out if it's like if it's like false humility or if it's real regardless what we have gleaned and what we've seen from Josh Allen uh, is this ability to dissect himself and he takes the blame and he always knows, but he, he knows himself well enough to know that like, if things aren't starting to happen the way that he needs it to, or the way that he feels that it should kind of unravel that he starts to press. And he, and we've heard him say that, or he'll start to take shots over the top that it, like are premature. And we feel it. Like I sit on the couch, and I'm like, it's too early for that play. Like, like when the ball's in the air, I'm like, not now, not now. Um, and what's interesting about it is he's also made comments before when the offense hasn't played well, and he did it again today. He has said in the past, "Dable calls the plays, I just run them." And to yeah. me, there was a great deal they—they they were asking him just about some of the red zone stuff and blah 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 on some of the plays. And his response to not going forward on fourth down and fourth and short in the red zone, specifically in just different areas, was, "Hey, they just call the play, they call the plays and I run them." I think literally that affects your football team. I think. When you're it, Mahomes was calling for it on fourth down. Like it's fourth down. No, I think it was fourth and three at one point in time. And Mahomes, like, no, 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 coach, we're going for this. And they did, and they got it. On a play that they've ran a hundred times this year on fourth down. They showed two instances, <laughs> one from the Cleveland game and one from before. They ran the same exact play. Like, how many times how many times did they do that little under underhanded scoot, like scoot pass thing? They ran it twice in that football game, and they've run that play a hundred times this year. Alan, I I think there's a great deal of like they get down there and it's like, no, 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 we're changing it up. We're not doing that because we're just going to take the points because points are going to be hard to come by. And I think I think that I think that removes a measure of confidence from the players. I can't I can't say that it does for sure, but I think you could probably draw some lines and connect some dots between some things that Alan has said in the past and what we saw in that football game and what coaches even said post game as well. You know, looking back at it now, I probably would have gone for at least one of them. Well,
1: yeah, absolutely, man.
0: It's a little late now.
1: It is. And again, that's kind of what I talked about right here at the very top of once we dove into this game. That's why I started with Sean McDermott because, yeah, I thought he coached a little bit scared. And I'll tell you, I did watch, I rewatched the Bills offensively on Monday morning. I don't need to watch a defense. There's nothing that a replay is going to tell me that I don't already know. I wanted to watch the offense Mm -hmm. and it wasn't only his fault. Josh Allen, I mean, let's be honest, he didn't play particularly well. Probably his worst game of the year, 287 yards, but a back-breaking INT on a throw that he should not have made. Plus, he was sacked four times.
0: But it the ball too long.
1: Went through John Brown's hand. Right, I agree. I agree.
0: How many? many, Josh Allen has has 10 interceptions this season, I think, one in the postseason,
1: and like literally, what, four of them were his fault? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think that was his fault. I, well, I think maybe the decision to throw—I mean, he did throw it in a really so tight, uh, a tight it. area. But again, as I rewatched this game, I was my mindset on Sunday night to George, was Josh Allen blew it for the offense. My mindset after rewatching is like, no, he didn't. He did mm-hmm. not play well though, but he didn't blow it. Receivers just weren't getting it open, man. The offensive line wasn't—they were—they were less than great, right? So, you know, it, it, it blows my mind, though, when I look at the, the Bills schedule this year and I look at all the box scores and all the results, I would have never guessed that as good as this offense was this year, that it would be the Kansas City Chiefs
0: mm. would
1: be the team that completely bottle up this Bills offense. Mm. Not just once. They did it twice. They did it two different ways. You know, two games, two different situations. And they did it twice, man. The DBs for Kansas City, just so physical. The Bills receivers weren't getting off the ball. Diggs? Only two catches for 12 yards deep into the third quarter before he finally started getting up some numbers. Not enough of a commitment him. to him.
0: They yeah, harassed him all night they long. They
1: did. They harassed him all night long. And again, I'll go back to the red zone thing. The bills were really creative. Now I'm not going to look, I don't have in front of me the play by play call sheet for the game, but I remember seeing a lot of touchdowns this year where our know, first down in the red zone or in goal to goal or whatever the bills would draw something. Mm-hmm. There was just no creativity that I saw that I can remember anyway on Sunday. And one thought, cause I, I know our feelings on Josh Allen have not changed. This game's not going to change no. No. how we feel about Josh Allen. Could he have played better? Absolutely. Could have played better. He could have made a couple better decisions. A couple times he should have gotten rid of the football. The mental clock in his head didn't go off a few times. I think it's a case of he was trying to do too much. Oh, Shit yeah. happens. So you're going to have to take that when you got a quarterback like Josh Allen. That's the way it is. But one guy, I do want to talk about because I'm done with him is Devin Singletary. I'm done with him. And I'm going to tell you right now, Joe, in mid-January, the bills, Bills, Bills I'm I'm willing to bet you right now, the bills are done with him. The organization likes Zach Moss. That was a bigger loss than we gave credit for that injury. Um, They don't trust Singletary, nor should they. That wide open drop. Where the, he, he a, it was a was volley but it was a lob lobbed him it wasn't even like a tight pass
0: it was a perfect touch oh. pass that Josh Allen didn't make in the first half of his career so first right. season and the, for halfway through the second season Josh Allen does not make that throw and he has done it brilliantly this year he and read
1: were, that blitz people. perfect man he dumped it off to an open area there was tons of room maybe he beats one guy who knows worst one case he's still running
0: yep absolutely still running yep
1: he dropped. That was a game changer to me. Dude had six carries for 17 yards, two catches for nine yards. I don't think every time he touched the ball combined, so that's nine touches. He didn't make one Kansas City defender miss. Not once. Not yeah. once. Literally not one. Again, I don't want to get into like off season mode today and talk about future moves we'll do that soon enough well, well, let's,
0: say with, let's say with coaching decisions i don't know i mean where where was gabe davis in this football game and yeah. and that's a that's a rhetorical question because a lot of people well he was injured i don't think gabe davis was that injured and, it, and the reason is is he got hurt on that first touchdown attempt against the ravens and he stayed in the game and played like yes he was hobbled you could see in that ravens game but he had an entire week to rest and I'm going somewhere with this and he didn't practice all week. And at this point of the season, I don't know that players need to necessarily practice. Gabe Davis is an important part of this offense. Well, Gabe Davis didn't even show up in that football game. He's another name that did not get called at one point in time. I'm like looking for him on the field. I'm like, where is like, cause 13 flashes in football games this season, 13 has flashed, whether he's got the ball or not, he's flashed. And in that game, he didn't. And they asked coach about him as to whether or not he was healthy, ready to go. And he said, you know what? I, Basically, he said, I'm paraphrasing. I left it up to my guys. We've come this far, and I wanted to give them the opportunity if they felt they were ready. He clearly wasn't ready. You're telling me Kenny Stills isn't going to do better for your offense than a hobbled, potentially, Gabe Davis? I don't know. Like, do you get brown? Is there, is there a brownie point, a merit system? Well, we've come this far with you, so we're going to keep riding you, even though you might not be able to, you know, you might not be at 100%. It's the AFC Championship game against the world champions, like, y- you lace them up, and you put your best guys out there. And if Gabe isn't ready, sorry, Gabe, you're not ready, right? I mean, Gabe Davis is not Cole Beasley at this point in time, who we found out today played on a broken fibula, like, for most, like, the last several games of the season. But I want to know, that that to me is a coaching, like, mistake as well. Like, they should have held him out, and they should have put Kenny Stills in.
1: Yeah, Davis only played 16 snaps. He played 22% of the snaps that game. I agree with you. I would have liked to see seen Kenny... I like Gabe Davis. And if he was healthier, love him, you know, if he was good to go, I love him. Yeah. He you said he makes flashes and he might've, I'll tell you what, he was as responsible as anyone, maybe other than Josh Allen for the bills being the Colts. Those two catches before the half, those toe drags, those were huge plays, man. Um, yeah, they should, lots of coaching things and TJ Elden should have got the football more, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just, the bills dating back to even last year, there's just been a trust issue with Devin Singletary, they, I mean, they didn't even try to hide the fact that they went after Le'Veon Bell when he became available earlier this year. Thank God, you know, they didn't get him because that dude was washed up. Thank God they didn't the get bo- him. Right. But the point being is that <laughs> they did, you know, they're trying to, they were trying to upgrade that. And I know it was the regular season finale against, and look, it's so easy for you and I to sit here and be an armchair quarterback 24 sure. hours after the fact. Sure. But if this guy ain't running the football, either play Yeldon more. Or give Antonio Williams a crack because that dude was running hard against Miami. Is he going to not run harder because it's the playoffs? You know, I I get the lack of confidence, but you know what? Yeah, lack of confidence in Devin Singletary. He's
0: going to run like well. a man with his hair on fire. Like if yeah. you put him in the football game for sure, yeah. like so he's that run, th- yeah.
1: that bothers me. And then the old line and, and Joe B from the Athletic wrote about it. They they wilted under pressure, man, and I completely agree with that. You know, unlike say Bills star defensive players, Chris Jones just dominated that game. He looked like a star. He was beating up the. I mean, he physically yes. punched John Feliciano in the face. But that aside, Chris Jones was just making an impact on like almost every play. And the Bills, they, they couldn't block him. This is going to be a position. And again, I don't want to get in the offseason, who stays, who goes. But the Bills' whole line is definitely going to be a position to monitor. Because I think Deion Dawkins is the only guy who's 100% a lock to be back. Feliciano's a free agent. Who knows with Cody Ford. Uh, Mitch Morris has got a big cap number. They could save a lot of money by getting rid of him. Daryl Williams is a free agent. Mike Bodker. Yeah, I don't know. So anyway, this they they disappointed me on Sunday. They did not do a very good job of blocking. Everybody knew Kansas City was blitzing. They did not pick it up well at all. This offensive line
0: looks totally different without without John Feliciano in it. I can't imagine them letting John Feliciano go. And Mathis Judge actually made a prediction that I thought was like profound, and I never even thought about it. He said that he he believes that there's an outside chance that they do let Mitch Morse walk and uh, and 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 they actually move Feliciano to center because they're highly invested. Football politics, I don't care what anybody says, they're highly invested in Cody Ford, and it's not because he's the best player they've drafted on the offensive line. They are football politics up to their up to their ear holes with Cody Ford to make him fit somewhere. This is the guy we drafted him, he's going to fit. So in my opinion, there's a good chance that you do see Mitch Morris go and they move Feliciano to center, resign him, move him to center. I think Darrell Williams has to stay. He has been the unsung hero on this football team, in my opinion, for the whole entire season, quiet gun about his, his work brought his lunch pail, like freaking took on TJ Watt and shut him down the whole entire football game, which caused us to win that Steelers game. I don't know, man. I, I can't see them not bringing back, you know, uh, bringing back uh, uh Daryl Williams, but it'll be interesting to see what they do. Like they're gonna have to do something. And yes, Dawkins is, is, is a lock. Obviously they're not walking away from that contract.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's crazy. Joe. So listen, we've been rapping for nearly an hour here. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Buffalo bills just played an AFC championship game they were 15 and 3 coming in. They beat many good teams. Mm-hmm. They had a hard road to get to Kansas City. Indy's a good team. Baltimore was aside from Buffalo the hottest team in the NFL going into that game. Here's it it's hard to remember this, but we're old enough to remember this. Do you remember that the Buffalo Bills were up 9-0 in this game? Oh, yeah. Late in the first quarter. Man, oh, yeah. I don't know about you, but
0: not, not late. It was they. They didn't score their first touchdown until the beginning of the second quarter. Right? That's right. It was. Right. It, was. it was nine quarters. nothing.
1: Nine but nothing. It, the Bills were up two scores at the end of the first quarter. I don't know about doinked, you, dude. When yeah. he
0: doinked when he doing that extra point, I was like kiss of death. And my daughter <laughs> looked at me. and She goes, "What?" I'm like, "That's the kiss of death." And she's like, "What do you mean?" I was like I was like every time somebody misses their their extra point on their first kick or their first touchdown, it seems like they lose a the football game. She goes, "Dad, it's nine nothing." I'm like, "Kiss of death."
1: <laughs> yeah, I look back at all my notes and all my thoughts from this game, and it's hard for me to remember that the Bills are up nine nothing, but they were. And I don't know about you, but something just didn't feel right for me. It, it felt like like the Avengers, man. It felt like Kansas City was like Daniels, you know, Danzo, Thanos Daniels is inevitable, and that's kind of how I felt about this game.
0: No, it, it did, but for me, you know, I I, I don't want to get I, as much as we're neck deep in it, and we've talked a lot about just you know the things that went wrong in this football game you know there's there's something to be said for again what this team accomplished and not you know not allowing this football game to rob us of the joy of the season you know and on my show you know i i kind of played off of the one one not done stuff and the t-shirts and i know that the nfl gave those t-shirts to everybody we thought we were special because we got them so early we got them before a lot of the other teams got theirs uh, cuz we won the afc east so early you know but this this football team you know they won the afc east and they weren't done and then they you know they they worked hard and they won the number 2 seed and they weren't done and then they won in the wild card round and they weren't done they won in the divisional round in a game that nobody said they could win and they weren't done and now obviously you know they they have won in the past and they've won 15 times this season but they're done and it's it's hard but man it's been a great it's been a great year it's been it's been fun it's been it's been exciting it's been nerve-wracking it's been like you know gut-wrenching I mean it's there's been cardiac moments I mean it's you talked about the Rams game and giving up you know 25 point lead or whatever and going down by 28 and then coming back to win in that football game like it's just been you know Josh Allen getting hurt and you know in the Raiders game it's just been man, it's just been a, it's been a phenomenal, I I said this on my show too. And I'm going to tell all your listeners the same thing. If you go to Google and you Google bills results, it'll pop up with all the bills games from this season and like, and and have all the results, but in there will be embedded all the highlights. And they're like 12, 15 minutes a piece, all the highlights from every single game, go back and watch them. Like literally go back and watch them and just like relive all of the moments because it's it's amazing. Like, this season was incredible. But, you know, I can't remember who said if it was Marino. I think it was Joe Marino said it today. You know, 31 teams, their season ends in a not great fashion. Only one team gets to end on a high note. One out of 32. And that's where we are. We just wish that it wouldn't have ended the way that it did. We wish that it would have ended, you know, maybe not with the wheels falling off. Like could it have been of a, could have been like a 42 to 40 shootout and we lose in the last second. Like that is is at least like a great football game. But yeah.
1: I had a conversation with my wife about that, Joe. I'm like, I don't know how I would, what would make me feel better. Would I feel better if the bills went out and kind of, I think the score was not indicative to me of what the game was. I feel like they got outplayed and outclassed. Oh, yeah. Do I feel better about that or would I feel better if they played great and lost 45, 42? I don't know what would hurt more. <laughs> I well, really don't.
0: You, you just discovered how potentially I said, so we've done several podcasts this year. think like this, this might be our fourth with you coming on my show. And I said that early in the season, that, that the chiefs, the first chiefs game week six was going to be the the standard. We're going to find out where the standard is. How high is the standard? Are we close? We thought then we were kind of sort of close. And now it seems like they're still way ahead of us as far as that goes. Let's do this. Let's take just a second to talk about this Buccaneers football team. Let's talk about the fact that you called it. You called that the. you felt that this Buccaneers team was really, really good. And this defense was being under underrated. And they, they still were, are. Yeah. And they were a lot better than everybody was giving them credit for. And even I was like, I don't think so, bro. And you're like, watch this Buccaneers team
1: is going to be good you were all over that one. Over. I hate, listen to me, I hate, and I get in trouble for this. I don't care. I hate the Tampa Bay sports base, the fans. I hate them. They're the worst. <laughs> it makes me sick that people like, I don't even want to say you and I, because there's people that are way bigger Bills fanatics than us. I mean, we're big time True. Bills fans and we don't hide that, but there's Bills fans that would sell their soul to the devil to get back to the Super Bowl. <laughs> this franchise down here in Florida, I don't even, shoot, they don't care. They don't care that much now. They do because there's a bunch of bandwagons that come out of the woodwork. You know what I'm saying? They leave the they leave the boats and and the tiki bars to to start the roof for the team. Now that they once they got into the playoffs, there's not a city in the country to me that deserves to have championships less than Tampa Bay, and they already got one with the Lightning too. So that's bullshit. The Rays almost won the World Series. I've had it with Tampa fans. They don't deserve shit. All right. when it comes really to Tampa, but when it comes to Tampa, I'll tell you, and it's still the case, everybody in the world is talking about Tom Brady, and I get it. Yo, you're 43 years old. You go to another conference. You go to a team that ain't been in the playoffs forever, and now mm. you're in the Super Bowl. Mm. And you're the quarterback, and he did play well, especially in the second half of the year. You cannot take that away from him. He did. Do you know what? It, that defense ahead. has been so good. Dude, Tom Brady threw not one, not two. He threw three. three second half interceptions against Green mm-hmm. Bay, and the defense bailed him out two of those three times. Didn't get anything, and the, the refs
0: bailed him out by giving him a, a ticky tack cheap interference sure penalty. Did. But so Tom Brady goes to another conference to a team that hasn't made the the Super Bowl or hasn't done really anything in forever, and like magically, you know, gets the stuff done that he needs to get done. It sounds a little too good to be true. It kind of sounds like you know when the the the, the America goes to war in two thousand and one, and and some upstart team called the Patriots of all teams wins the Super Bowl. Or when Katrina levels New Orleans, Louisiana, and uh, you know the city is completely in disarray and on its last legs. And, oh, what do you know, the New Orleans Saints win the Super Bowl. I don't know, man. Sometimes I look at the stuff and I'm like, man, how perfect is it that the face of the NFL is about to hand over the NFL to the new young face, the kid, the goat versus the kid. And they were talking about it on the NFL network today. I didn't watch it. I saw it on Twitter, but like the, the goat versus the new kid. It's like, yeah, this just seems to be real storybookish. Like it just, (laughs) seems, it just seems to, I'm not saying that all the NFL is fixed and all the NFL is scripted, but I'm not also going to deny that sometimes I think they pick their moments.
1: Like, Yeah, I agree. I, I'm going to tell you, people of this area down here in Florida got saved from me being completely insufferable. Because if the Bills would have played Tampa, I was going to do nothing but talk shit. There's not one ounce of me, not even an ounce of me, that wants this city and this area to win the Super Bowl. None. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. Anyway, one last game point, all right, before we sure. get out of here. Home field, and, and I didn't I didn't really bring this up. I gotta give credit to my buddy Anthony because he brought it up to me, and I think it's a really good point, it's worth sharing. Home field mattered, and not just because of the fans and because of the comfort of not having to travel and you know being familiar with every inch of your own stadium. Kansas City had fresher legs. They were a fresher team. The Bills going into this game were not in just one, but they were in two wars with mm-hmm. Indy and Baltimore. That indie game was a tough game. They only won it by a field goal in the last minute. Baltimore is a very physical team. You know, that was a tough game. Kansas City had that bye. They had an extra week. So they only had one game instead Actually, of two. Why am I making up excuses?
0: Two by, they almost had two byes because they didn't play their starters the last game of the season. So they were off for two weeks.
1: Right, exactly. They were fresher. They were well-rested. And again, am I making up excuses? I know Mahomes had a bad foot. So again, I, they had. it's not like they didn't have no adversity that they had to overcome. But my point being is, home field to me or the top seed does matter. Next time someone says that don't matter, tell them they don't know what they're talking about. Because it does matter. I think the Bills, I'm I'm not going to say they were worn out. But there was definitely some wear and tear on them from having two really tough physical games against two very good football teams where the Chiefs only had one. To me, that matters. And like you said, they had an extra week of rest because uh, they got the rest of their starters. So I uh, I think that does matter.
0: I'm bl- I'm blessed and uh, you know I don't I don't know what the word is I'm lucky. I'm 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 uh, to be able to call a guy like John Fina at this point my friend because I get to ask a guy questions. So like on Twitter we're all experts. On Twitter we're all, you know, X's and O's experts and yeah. on Twitter a whole bunch of people have gone to the scouting academy and they know football better than you do and they're going to tell you what you don't know. Um, which, you know, you have kind of joked about a little bit even here. And then I get to ask John Fina real questions. And John Fina is like, they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is which is great. Because, and he's because right. Of, I'm sure he's right. Right. Because they he played the football game. he He's played in Super Bowls. And I asked him this question leading up to the, because it, it, there was the push for the number two seed. Should the Bills rest their starters? Should they play their starters? Should they go after the number two seed? Does it not really matter? And a lot of Bills Mafia was like, rest them. Like, who gives a crap about whole, home field advantage? And I asked him. About that, and he said he said overwhelmingly yes, not only from a fan situation, as far as having your own fans in the stands, but also all those things like sleeping in your own bed and not having to get on a plane and go someplace else, like sight lines matter, understanding the stadium, where certain things are, where the play clock is. Like he said, there's so much that goes into the home field thing. And then you pile that on for me with this whole team dome people, like Buffalo needs a dome. I'm a season ticket holder. I don't want a dome. And they you know and it's like oh but Josh Allen like you, we got a passing quarterback and like you know he can't throw in the, in the in the cold and it's like I just watched Tom Brady who has been playing in Tampa all year and I watched Aaron Rodgers both throw for like 350 or 400 yards a piece in a game where it was like 16 degrees outside don't tell me that you can't throw in the cold you can and to me that's another one of those home field advantage pieces like give me the weather in January make the road to the Super Bowl go through Buffalo and by, we should win every single time. Like, not to mention the fact that the Dome stuff is so stupid. I mean, Pat, people, people literally don't listen to what they say. It's just as cold in Cleveland as it is in Buffalo. It's just as cold in Foxborough as it is in Buffalo. It's colder in Green Bay than it is in Buffalo. And all of them are outside stadiums. Pittsburgh is two and a half hours south of Buffalo. Like, New York is it's a little bit warmer, but it's still in the north. Like, this whole thing about the weather and all this stuff in Domes is so overrated. and And quarterbacks are... We all played in the snow and in the rain and in the wind when we were kids. We all went out. None of us went. It's a little too cold to play football today. No, we went out in the backyard. And we threw the football around, right? And you ran around long enough, you got warm. It was great. Like I just... <laughs> am I wrong? I mean, no, you're, you're right. You're, I mean, right? And you tackle somebody in a snowbank because it's fun. Like that's what we did as kids. Like,
1: yeah, completely agree. Look, here's here's the bottom line too, and we could talk, and we have talked about why the Bills lost. We also need to give Kansas city and we have, to some extent, we need to no. give them credit. Well, no. I do. I'm going to give them credit anyway, because I'll tell you this, here's what I hear a lot of. And again, I'm not being Debbie downer here, but a lot of people are saying, well, and it's not wrong, but a lot of people are saying, well, this is the next step in the progression. You know, you're a wild card team and you're a divisional winner and you win a playoff game or two games and you get to this point, And then the next step is to get over to hump. That's sure. True. Here's the problem, though. The Kansas City Chiefs are also going nowhere anytime soon. Right. And a lot of people say, to use a basketball analogy, I've heard a lot of people say this, the Bills are like the Chicago Bulls were in the uh, in the early 90s where they had to beat the Pistons and they had to get over that hump and they couldn't do it before they did. And then they started winning NBA championship after NBA championship. That's mm-hmm. fine. But to me, I see Kansas City like the Chicago Bulls when they were on top of the world, when they had Jordan Pippen and, Dennis Rodman, and they were unbeatable. And I see right now, the Bills, at least right now, the Bills are like the New York Knicks when they had Patrick Ewing. And again, I'm a big NBA guy here. The Knicks Knicks were very good, but they just couldn't beat the Chicago Bulls. And that's why they didn't get to any NBA championships during Michael Jordan's run. They got to two of them, but that's when Jordan was gone. Well, it's, and, it's,
0: it's the Kelly Marino thing. Dan Marino true. didn't make it to the end, to the Super Bowl because Jim Did Kelly, a, the Bulls, right. were better. Were better.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Just like when the Bills, again, you and I remembered as well. The Bills were the class of the AFC and there That's were right. some good teams and some great quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, Josh Allen's a great quarterback, but he's got to get past Patrick Mahomes. Just like Dan, I mean, Dan Marino got to one Super Bowl, but it was in the second year of his career before Jim Kelly became a thing in Buffalo. But Dan Marino never beat Jim Kelly in the playoffs. Nope. Warren Moon, great quarterback. Never got past Jim Kelly. Didn't go to a Super Bowl. Joe Montana was a legend and icon. Did everything with Frisco. But when he went to Kansas City, he was still good. But yep. never beat Jim Kelly. And never John got to the Alway Super Bowl.
0: Did, John Elway oh, didn't beat Jim Kelly in the playoffs, as right. far as I know. I don't think.
1: No, no, not, not when they played heads up anyway. But nope. point being is that, yeah, the guys like Warren Moon and Marino and Montana and those teams, they were good teams, but they were, they were good at the wrong time. Because right. the Bills were the class of the AFC at that time. The class of the, you know the NFL, minus the actual Super Bowl game. That's my concern right now. The Bills are a very, very good football team. Maybe they're the second best team in the NFL, but they're in the same conference as the Chiefs. And you do have to, and if you're being real with yourself, you have to have concern that, yeah, they're going to be around. The Bills aren't going anywhere. They're going to be good. I expect them to be good for a while, but you still got to get past the Chiefs. And let's hope that the Bills are not this generation's Houston Oilers or Miami Dolphins when the Bills were on top of the AFC. You know what I'm saying? That's something I'm worried about.
0: No, I get it. I I, I don't know that I, I don't know that I follow the same. I don't know that I'm I'm on the same path as far as that goes. I think I don't I don't see I don't see Pat Mahomes and the the Chiefs as a super team like like Jordan and the Bulls were. I don't I I mean and even the Bill the, the Bills in the AFC were a super team. Like there was nobody that could beat them. You know, there was, the, there was the spot on the NFL Network on, on game day on Sunday where Eisen was talking to Emmett Smith and was talking to Michael Irvin, and they were talking about, like, you know, well, we had confidence going into the Super Bowl every year because the NFC back then was so much better than everybody else. Like, we had all the good talent in the NFC and if, for the, the younger fans that might be listening. Back then, the NFC won. I don't remember how many in a row it was, but the NFC won, like, it was like 15 or 16 Super Bowls in a row. Um, but that isn't necessarily true. There was one AFC team that had a winning record against the NFC Every single year during the season, and that was the Bills. Like the Bills were better than the NFC until the last game of the season. I don't know that I believe that super teams, even the Patriots being the super team and owning the AFC e- or the AFC East and the AFC the way that they have, they didn't win nine in a row or they didn't win all nine. They won five. Five or six. How many did they win? Six. Five? Yeah. They six. won six. Yeah. yeah. So I mean it's I don't know that I ascribe to it as far as just that uh I don't know that I'm ready to believe that Mahomes is in that team. It, it's Mahomes and Kelsey. I don't know that Mahomes and Kelsey are a super team. Like, freaking Tyree Kill was ranked, he was the 17th ranked wide receiver in the NFL this year. He wasn't exactly like Stephon Diggs was number one. Like, that's one of the things we we kind of t- touched on, but we didn't talk about Stefan Diggs was the number one wide receiver in the NFL this year. Not Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill played like it in that football game, but he wasn't. I'm just not ready to believe. I'm not ready to believe that Clyde Edwards Alaire is Saquon Barkley, right? I'm just we'll see. I mean, it's there's a lot of football to be played in Josh Allen's career, and I believe this kid's going to win a Super Bowl. I think he's going to win a Super Bowl in Buffalo. How's that for a hot take? It probably isn't one, but I think <laughs> I think this, I think this kid has the makeup. I think he has the grit. I think he has the mentality and the and the fight and the no quit. And as much as that, he does a lot of stuff that we hate, very Brett Farvish, where it's like, no, don't throw that football. Like in a couple of years, like he's going to have learned some things and matured. And I think that he's going to be extremely dangerous. So, and to hell with the off-platform stuff. I'm so sick and tired of hearing about Pat Mahomes and his off-platform throws. I mean, freaking <laughs> freaking Aaron Rodgers in that game against the Bucks. It wasn't even talked about, but there was one throw. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Devontae Adams. And he literally was looking the opposite direction and threw the ball to his right and, like, and, and like threw it to Devontae in the end zone. And I was like, he just threw an no all look pass. Nobody talked about it. It didn't what? even come up. Like, it's like everybody does this stuff. Like, it's, it's not that special in my opinion. Well,
1: but you me. and I have a difference of opinion when it comes to Patrick Mahomes, which is cool. And, and again, time obviously will tell. Now, I'll say this, behind any legendary quarterback or point guard or, you know, center in hockey, whatever it may be, it's not, no one does it by themselves. And it is a perfect storm for him. He's got the perfect head coach for him. Oh yeah. He's got the perfect cast of characters between Kelsey and Hill. And McCall Harmon and Edward Solaire and Darrell Williams, who does a lot of the running back position too as a backup. They got weapons galore, all right? So, I mean, he's got an embarrassment of riches. Again, time will tell when it comes to that. But when you look, and, and then I'll let you go after this. When you look back at the 2020 Buffalo Bills, we've talked about how much joy it's brought in us and how promising it's been. But what are one or two things that make you feel really good about going forward in the future about this football team? like? Obviously they got to go in this offseason saying, what can we do? What do we need to do to beat the Kansas city chiefs? Like right. without getting in the specifics like what specific player you might target, like one or one or two things that you think this team needs to do to get themselves to that next step, because there's only one more step to go. And then you're in a super bowl. What do you think they need to do to get there?
0: Well, you you said, what am I excited about first? What I'm excited about is the fact that the Buffalo Bills have found their franchise quarterback. They found the guy that's going to be here for the next 15 years. And not not only is he good, and is he really good, and he's one of the top two, if not three, quarterbacks in the NFL. And, yes, Pat Mahomes is number one, so I'm not saying that I don't think Pat Mahomes is good. He clearly is the best quarterback in the league. Josh Allen is great, and he has – you take – I mean – I. I don't know if I'm stacking if I'm stacking those weapons versus Kansas City's weapons. Yes, they have Travis Kelsey, but the Bills had Stephon Diggs. I don't know that like his weapons are that much greater for me. So you fix a couple things on that on that offensive line. Uh, there's a little bit of retooling. We're gonna have to find an RB one. If if we find an RB one, the Josh Allen and this team can trust. It's gonna open up Josh Allen's game even more for me going into the season somebody needs to be slapped in the face because of this defensive line. Like, and it's got to get fixed. Like if, it, if it's, if it's as simple as no, no guys, we're good. Stars coming back. Okay. Show me like, you know, Missouri state, like it's the show me state. All right, show me if that's all it's going to take. Great. If not, they're going to have to do something. And I suspect they will. I suspect that there's a lot of guys on this football team. Who was it that said it today? Somebody said it today. Uh, it might've been Allen. He said, we've got a lot of the right guys. No, it wasn't Allen. Who the heck was I wa- Somebody said it today in a presser that we've got a lot of the right guys. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting statement because it wasn't, we've got all the right guys. And that was what the comments were. That's what the conversation was in the beginning of the season. The beginning of the season was, we have all the right pieces. And at the end of the season, it was like, we've got most of the right guys. And I was just like, oh, I, I caught that. I don't remember who it was. It was Beasley. It was either, it was somebody that was, was talking, which by the way, total sidebar, left turn. We've not heard from Stefan Diggs yet after this football game. He still has not done an interview. I don't that I that I know of. Like which is strange to me. I want to hear from Steph. Like I want to hear from Steph.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm not sure why he didn't do an interview on Monday. The only one I know Beasley and Allen are the only two that I know of that have spoken uh so far. Yeah, I but
0: yeah, RB, they, RB1 defense, RB1 defensive line.
1: Yeah, I agree. And often, you know what? I still think they might need a little more on the old line, too. A little more uh maybe one guy. Maybe Cody Ford could be that guy. Maybe he comes back in you no, know, someone brought up a good point this offseason. They moved him to guard. There was no preseason. So uh, it was kind of on the job training for him uh, this year. So we'll How many, yeah, how many make...
0: more excuses can we make for the football? I problem? know.
1: That's I 24. hear you, man. But uh, yeah, they need, uh, I'd like to see some more speed at the defensive end position. I, I think that hurt them. And if not necessarily, maybe an RB1, but at least, at the very least, because I think Zach Moss has some ability. I, they need a guy. If this is going to be thunder and lightning, they need. Zach Moss is not the guy no i i don't think so either but they, I need, know, they everyone, need
0: neither one it, 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 what game was it it was uh it was the packers game so like and this is this podcast we could talk about this i love ladies and gentlemen i love talking to pat he's my favorite person to talk to <laughs> like we could talk forever like it, it was it was the packers game like freaking they, they When was the last time the bills threw a pitch out they, you know the packers throw a pitch out to aaron jones and he like runs right like runs around the corner and through the hole yeah neither of these guys are fast they're not fast enough to play at the nfl level like I don't know what the Bills were thinking going to get going and get. I like Zach Moss. I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I like Devin Singletary. He's a nice guy. Don't go get too slow, slow running backs. Like bring me Naheem Hines. Go get me that guy this offseason and make, make him your RB1. Yeah,
1: look, I'm, I don't disagree with you. I, I don't I don't know how I feel about Zach Moss yet, but I do know this. I don't think he is a plug and play. He's not a Delvin Cook. You know, he's never going to be no. a true legitimate RB1. Maybe, you know, I know a lot of people because you don't ultimately got to pay them. So you don't want to get like, you know, you get a Delvin Cook or you get a Henry and eventually mm-hmm. it's going to cost you a shitload of money and you don't want to pay an RB1. I get it, but I agree with everything you said and especially if this team did have a, maybe even just a threat of being able to run the football. You know what I'm saying? Just even the threat, threat of running the or football. Or a, might, to,
0: getting the, or a I don't, to getting a, getting a BAM homes. I, I,
1: I don't think Kansas City had any fear whatsoever that the Bills were going to be able to have any success running the football. And I think that really helped them prepare for their blitz packages because they didn't really have to take into account any Buffalo running game. What do you got to practice for? They ain't going to run the ball. You know they ain't going to run the football, right?
0: Yeah. Let me ask you this question. You talked about Le'Veon Bell, and the Bills were very obvious that they went after Le'Veon Bell. Well, you know who I was pounding the table for that I got panned by by Bills Mafia? J.J. Watt. You tell me J.J. Watt doesn't make a difference on that defensive line in that football game against Pat Mahomes. Who wants to win more than J.J. Watt? Go get yeah, yeah, he's old, but a rental player. That's what they do in hockey. Why not do it in football? JJ Watt would have made a huge difference. Like I don't know, I don't know why they didn't figure something out and go get JJ. Well, there, an no, ex- there, no an JJ. Exciting
1: thing for the Bills, I think, going into this offseason is everything's on the table now. If oh, yeah. <laughs> last season there might have been a little bit of doubt whether this was a true, legitimate win now mode. There's no more doubt. I mean, they came no. one one they came three quarters away from being in the Super Bowl. So yep. they're officially yep. in win mode now. So anything that could help this football team. It doesn't have to be about the future. Now it can be about the present more than anything because this is their window. Their window is now. You know? Exactly. Anyway, exactly. all right, everyone, give Joe a follow on Twitter at Joe JoeMillerWired, overreaction sports podcast. Go check it out. I'll put a link in the show notes. Part of Buffalo Fanatics. Dude, this is like, I don't know, man. We've been hooking up a lot lately. I had a chance to meet you in person for people who did not catch that. It was right around Christmas time. Awesome. Met up in West Seneca had a fun time meeting you again in which circumstances could have been a little bit different so we could have went to a bar and got restaurants a beer, are open. But-
0: cuomo got sued and lost so the restaurants are now opening it so when you they come are. back out of town, we're getting beer <laughs> and wings
1: <laughs> well i'll tell by. you what man I, fingers crossed i might be back for good come before on, you me know guys. it so we'll see how it Don't goes but right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway thanks so much for doing the podcast man i appreciate you oh it's a blast thank you All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for another episode. Very, very big thank you once again. My good friend, Joe Miller, Overreaction Sports Podcast host. One of the best out there. Love that dude's voice. Just a great guy, man. He really is. Joe's a good dude, man. Not just knowledgeable about the Buffalo Bills in sports, which is cool, but just an all-around great guy. So thank you very, very much, Joe Guys, girls, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead and do that right now. Rate and review. I know it sounds like a pain in the ass, but it only takes a few seconds to do it. I promise you this much. It really helps me continue to grow the show. We're available on all major podcasting platforms out there Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, you name it. Also, check us out on YouTube, Talking Buffalo Podcast YouTube channel. I got highlight clips from some current and past episodes. And coming soon, some original content you're only going to hear there. Got a lot of big plans coming up very soon for YouTube. So make sure you check that out. And then, of course, last but not least, follow me on Twitter, pamorantweets. I am on Twitter way more than I should be. It's my thing. Love Twitter. pamorantweets. And again, thank you so much for listening. Not just for this episode. Just period this season, what a fun ride it's been for the Buffalo Bills. And I know how many great podcasts there are out there specifically just for the Buffalo Bills. So when you're locked into this one, it really truly means a lot to me. I don't take it lightly. I promise you very much. So thank you very much. Have a good, safe week. Stay safe. Let me emphasize that word safe. And we will be back with a brand new episode on Friday.